This is Tips from the Top Floor, episode 919 for the 28th of September, 2022. Hello, Chris here. Tips from the Top Floor, longest running photography podcast, and so on and so on. Um, good to have you back. It's been an interesting week. Well, an interesting week uh for me but not in terms of photography um i've been preparing for a short vacation debating on what kind of a camera i want to take uh, monica and i um are going up to pelvorm which is a uh, an island up in the north sea and uh we'll take a week off so next week uh might have to skip next week but anyway so mm, that's the thing the whole field of ai Art is exploding. Mm. Stable diffusion has really kicked off a few things that I, yeah, that those worms will no go will not go back into that can for sure. That's uh, that's a given. So I want to briefly touch on that. I want to uh, talk about node based photo editing and of course um, about creativity and learning. Because, again, there's there's a realization on my side that I might just have had the most amazing learning experience in a long time. So, yeah, let's kick this off. Um, I want to briefly touch on Greg Rutkowski. I'm not sure I mentioned him here before, but if you've been dabbling with AI art, then it, it's, it's almost guaranteed that you've come across Greg Rutkowski. And Greg Rutkowski is not super happy about what's happening. So um, let's kick this off with uh, with art styles, right? Um, art styles, knowing art styles and the artists' names that are connected with those specific styles, that has become a very sought-after skill because if you know artists and their styles, you can use an AI generator like Stable Diffusion or or Midjourney, or Dali, and whatever else is out there, you can use these to generate art in that specific style. Like, you would, I don't know, you type a prompt as, a, as like a, a cute cat wearing a green hat by Mark Brooks. If you know the art by Mark Brooks, um, there's a very good chance that the AI generator will generate something that looks like Mark Brooks was the artist. You can mix artists. You can have multiple uh, different artists in a prompt and then uh, those generators will mix and match, which is very interesting because that helps you generate new type of art. And uh, <clears throat> in that context, we'll have to talk about Greg Rutkowski, which is, uh, who is a fantasy uh, concept artist. Um, he's known for his painterly epic style uh, and... Uh, yeah, he, he worked for different companies and uh, he's an art station and he, he is known in that scene. And by adding the words by Greg Rutkowski to an AI art prompt, that'll change the output towards that epic painterly fantasy concept art style. And this is where artists, and I'm, I'm using him as an example because he's kind of, yeah, his prompts are more used or his name is used in prompts more than other artists um, quite a bit more and that puts you in a bit of a dilemma here but in a bit of a bind because 
as an artist, you tend to put yourself out there, right? You want to be findable. You want to be seen by the world. You want your art to be seen and to have something be findable. You have to add text, like a, a description, an alt text, uh, a, a caption, a title, and so on, to that image. Because if you look at today's search engines, Google, for example, primarily searches for text and not the content of images. Yes, you can, it does index content of images, but uh, in general, you want to have additional text because text is easier to search. We podcasters know that because as a podcaster, you there are still not that many search engines that will uh, be able to tell someone who searches for a specific word or sentence or mention uh, which podcast in which file in w at which timestamp you will find that spoken word. It's, not, it's just not there. There have been efforts. Um, AI might change that pretty soon, but that's for a different time. Um, but yeah, you have to add text. Now, AI loves that because uh, for an AI to be able to, to be trained well, for the whole AI training, the AI, the training needs image text pairs. It needs images with text so that if you put in text, you can um, find whatever images Regard. And then, again, these are not search engines. They create new stuff based on what they know. But still, the training needs the text and image pairs. And there's a, a data set out there which is the foundation for a lot of these big image generation models, for example, Stable Diffusion. And that is the Lion 5B, L-A-I-O-N-5B model, if you want to look it up. That contains, I think, five and a half billion of those image text pairs. So Greg Rutkowski being out there, having his art out there and, and findable, mostly on ArtStation, um, he is very popular in, in terms of the data set, the, the training data set. He's more popular, by far more popular in the training data set than, let's say, Picasso or Rembrandt or Magritte. So, yeah, that's a bit of a dilemma. Do you put yourself out there? Do you want to be found? And if you want to be found, then there's a good chance to uh, to end up in those data sets. So, yeah, I've, I've, I think I've, I've seen a quote of him. I'm not sure if it's really him saying that because he wasn't too vocal about this whole thing. But uh, at least someone said AI should exclude living artists from its data sets. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> I find this very interesting. And by the way, if we look into the future, when there will be much more AI-generated art out there, which will then be scraped into newer training data sets. So, yeah, that's I have no idea what that's going to lead to. But it's, it's, it's food for thought. It's certainly worth uh, keeping an eye out for. So, yeah, next topic. This is a completely different one. It's about photo editing. And uh, I've, I've had a few thoughts about photo editors. I mean, we've used Photoshop and Affinity Photo and whatever other editors to work on our pictures. Um, Lightroom, yeah, it's still my go-to for, for managing but also editing most of my photos. And... I feel a bit restricted looking at other editors. Um, 
And I'm specifically talking about node-based interfaces, like workflow builders, um, let's say, well, in general. In general, I see a lot of these things happening in video production tools. And uh, these, th these video tools um, or video editing and shooting has a few tools to offer that we could probably use in photography. A uh, few have made their way in, into still photography already, such as the LUTs, the lookup tables for color grading. Those were exclusively in video and they're now in many photo editors. Um, some cameras now offer zebra stripes, which is a way to help make manual exposure easier. Uh, but then again, there are more that we haven't really seen in still photography yet. At least I haven't seen them. I might be completely unaware of something that's already out there which is where I need your help. But one being video waveforms for judging exposure and the other being node-based editors for more control over the editing workflow. So yeah, again, lots of lookup tables. They are in still photo apps now, zebra stripes in some cameras, especially on video mode, but I'm not sure might be in cameras in still cameras now. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if Sony had that. I don't have that much experience with them, but uh, zebra stripes, you set them to like a percentage value of exposure and then whatever is in your live viewfinder, uh, wherever that percentage of exposure is hit, you'll see like stripes over it. So a typical application would be uh, set that to skin tone somewhere around 60% exposure and point it at a face and you'll see zebra stripes and now boom, you're done. You have the exposure nailed for that face. Video waveforms. Again, <clears throat> they don't only give you an overview of the exposure of your scene. Um, they give you an information in a more localized fashion. Like uh, a simple histogram gives you this statistical exposure information over the entire photo. But the waveform um, that's used in videography gives you that information over the like more local where in the frame are these is this distribution. So you'll know much, much better where in the photo you have which exposure distribution. And having worked with video, I learned that uh, such a waveform is, is far superior to a simple histogram. Of course, it also comes with a learning curve. A histogram is easier to understand than a, than a video waveform. And I kind of suspect that's the reason not to offer it. But wouldn't it be cool for the for, for the nerds among us to, to have that as an additional tool in a camera? And again, if, if you know a camera that does that, let me know. Um, or an editor that does that. I might be interested in that. And then, yeah, the big thing here, node-based editors. Like, let's say you use Lightroom. And yes, it does what you want it to do, but the order of operations is not super transparent. Like you have, I can only assume that the order of operations is from the top down as it's in the interface. Like there's exposure and then there's a black point and white point and con contrast and color stuff. Um, and I can only assume that Lightroom applies those in that order of operation. But it might make a difference if you could change that order of operation. Imagine you had a, a node-based interface where let's do an example you have you you'd have a a node for image input and then you have a, an, another node that that first node feeds into which would be a denoise node and then you have a, another node that that one feeds in 
um, to, I don't know, adjust the black point, and then you have an output node for like a specific resolution that goes into a specific directory, and then you have a second output node for a different resolution that goes to a different destination, and so on. And by by pulling virtual wires between those nodes, you will determine what happens in which order. Like, let's say you want to merge two images. So you could just have two input images and a merge node where you could then specify, like, which which layer mode those would be merged together and so on. So, again, you would build a workflow and screen. And uh, we know these interfaces from video production. Nuke is a good example. And uh, also from music production. It, they, again, there's plenty of uh, interfaces that use like a, a workflow-centric node-based interface. And a, yes, learning curve, yes, it's uh, probably more on the nerdy side if you do a lot of batch processing, these kind of things. But I was wondering if there were any of that type of photo editors out there. I couldn't really find any. Um, so maybe you can help. Give me, give me feedback. tfttf.com slash hi. That's where you can drop that, tfttf.com slash hi. All right, last but not least. Um, <clears throat> this is a, a bit of a, a philosophical one, but I yeah, this this really um, hit me uh, at something that I'm experiencing right now. I mean, I'm talking about learning the learning experience building AI prompts. I talked about this much, much, uh, a lot on this show. Um, building a prompt is a new kind of way to create art. Um, it's a new skill that you have to learn. And uh, it, 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 it requires to do this well. It, you, re- you need to rewire your brain. Here's here's a tweet, and that's the reason I'm talking about it here. Uh, just a, a short while ago, I saw a tweet by... Andre Karpathy, he's a, I would say he's an AI god. He's really, he taught at Stanford and he's a, he's a, he's, he's a smart guy, a very smart guy and AI. Uh, he, he helped define a lot of this AI stuff. So Andre Karpathy tweeted the following, let me quote. I remember when I got an early invite to try Dali 2 and I was frozen at the prompt text box for a minute and finally typed in, cat the art of prompts that the community has discovered and increasingly perfected over the last few months for text-to-image models is astonishing and i had a very similar experience um so this this is about the let's say the plasticity of the brain because every time you learn something new you you rewire parts of your brain you build new uh, neural pathways and that's true for every learning, every thing, including photography. If you become better at photography, it's because your brain changes. And yes, there are technical skills like setting aperture, ISO, and so on, um, how you operate your camera to get to this specific result. What we call muscle memory, that's in fact the rewiring of your brain's neural pathways. That's what you do. Muscle, there's no such thing as muscle memory. Your muscles don't have memory. It's your brain that uh, that rewires itself and then that whole pathway becomes much easier to go but then there's also creative skills the the feeling for image composition 
automating things like like checking the background, checking the edges of the frame, that whole that we call gut feeling for where to place a subject in the frame, how to I don't know how to put multiple subjects in in relation to each other. All that are all that is neural pathways in your brain that have formed over time by repetition, by doing it over and over again, by reading about it, by learning, by doing again. This is how you form those new pathways and that's how you learn. So I've spent the last 30-something years to build these pathways in terms of photography, to to remodel them with new things I learned from like the film SLRs to digital going back to analog medium format um large format each of those required some rewiring some brain plasticity and every time that happens it kind of it tickles my brain uh, it gives me that warm feeling to have learned something new i'm i'm a learning new things junkie i'm pretty sure <laughs> my curiosity leads to learning new things and that that leads to that little squirt of dopamine that feels so good i think i'm addicted to rewiring my brain every now and then sometimes I, sometimes it feels good to not have to do that to learn a skill and then sit on that skill for a long time but then yeah rewiring something it's 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 a good experience for i think everyone and uh yeah at least to a certain extent i loved learning new things right so when i read Andre Karpathy's tweet about how he sat in front of that prompt text box for a minute and then he finally typed in cat I had the almost exact experience I really laughed out because um, you know the, the pathways in my brain they are wired in a very visual way when I'm out with a camera taking a picture I, I, I would always let the environment play a role in the photo I let the environment inspire me. What's there? I look around. I explore what I have. I'm really good at looking around and, and determining which part of the surroundings makes a great place for a photo as a background and with the light and how it reflects of a wall, that that atmosphere and so on. So I do need that external input that I then incorporate into my decisions. The composition, the technical details of the photo, the choice of lens, the filter, the timing and so on. My brain is wired that way. I've wired, I have wired my brain that way for like over 30 years. And then a few months ago, Dolly 2 happened. And there I am sitting in front of an empty Dolly 2 prompt text box, exactly like Andre Carpathy. And I can fill that text box with anything I like. It's an open book. It's, it's an empty page. And I have all the freedom in my world but there's no external input. There's no visual input from a surrounding. It's just me and what's in my brain. And and I froze. I sat there. I couldn't think of anything because my brain is wired in a different way. And I began looking around at like what's on my desk and I typed in smartphone because that's what the, for one of the first things I saw on my desk, not knowing what to type in. I did what my brain knew how to do. I let myself be influenced by my surroundings. I used the smartphone on my desk as a, as a saving anchor. And of course, I mean, the result was boring. It was nice, but it was just a smartphone. So this, and this started a learning process that I haven't experienced in quite a while in, in its magnitude. 
um, that whole prompt engineering thing, learning how the AI reacts to changes in prompts, learning about art styles, lots of art styles that I hadn't even been aware of up to that point. Um, this also generated a real wave of new tools. So um, if you now want to learn about art styles, there are websites now based on that whole new wave of AI-generated art that will let you explore art styles. I haven't seen that in in forever. So now we have these resources where you can learn, and of course I do learn. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna be able to do uh, to do good things there. So um, I also employed a technique that I had to learn when I when writing like the film photography book and the wide angle book. You know, sitting in front of that empty page is really daunting. That's that empty page is staring at you. Um, how do you start? What do you type? And uh, I made it a habit to just write something. You just start for a new chapter. I mean, I, I know the headline. The outline is kind of what I defined previously. But then you have to start with something, with a sentence. And even if what I then write doesn't make too much sense at the moment. Uh, and then afterwards... After a few words or sentences, it starts coming together and I get into a flow. And later on, I edit what I wrote and I <laughs> might delete the first few sentences because they don't really help and uh, rearrange and delete and change. So building a prompt for AI art generation is a similar thing for me now. If I need something specific, then it's easy. I'm, I can start from something very specific. But if I'm in play mode, I just like close my eyes and the first thing that comes to mind goes in the prompt box and then I let the first results influence my next thoughts so I, I adapt the prompt and then it turns into into that that whole thing turns into an iterative, iterative process that's very satisfying and then I take it from there so I, I do employ pathways that I had already the let yourself be influenced from what's around you um, but I have to take that first step and create something that influences me. So I'm this kind of pull yourself up from your own bootstraps kind of thing. So yeah, while, while I'm still cautious like about what societal changes this new AI revolution bring about, those will be my gut feeling is those will be massive. Um, the artist side in me is very excited because. Because this whole new field allows me to learn something new, to expand my my creative side in a completely new direction, and that feels good. Yeah, it does feel good. It feels like a a bit like a new superpower. Like especially as this this whole learning process has happened in only a couple of months. I mean, this is super fast learning. This learning curve is like almost vertical, and it, yeah, and learning new things like almost makes me happy again. Gives me that squirt of dopamine, and I really love that. So, yeah, it's it's it satisfies my curiosity, and it feels good to learn something new. So, I love that. So, yeah, let me know what you think about all this, about like building new uh, neural pathways in your brain, about learning new things that are creative. Drop your feedback at tfttf.com/slash hi. That's tfttf.com/slash hi.
And that was it for this episode of Tips from the Top Floor. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for, well, thanks for being awesome, right? Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for telling the world about this. Um, it helps the show. And it makes me feel good, too. Again, a reminder, I'll probably skip next week. So um, you have something to look forward when I come back from a week of vacation and hopefully have a few good stories to tell. If you have a question, if you want to send in a little voicemail or uh, an observation or uh, if you want to tell me something about this show, about this episode, about the contents of this, leave your feedback at tfttf.com slash hi tfttf.com slash hi again this includes rating you can record a voicemail you can attach a file uh, send me your stuff and and uh, yeah I'm, I'm really looking forward to that I love reading your your inputs I love hearing your voice so hey voicemail that would be awesome tfttf.com slash hi of course follow tips from the top floor on twitter at tfttf photo that's t-f-t-t-f-p-h-o-t-o and as usual i do appreciate everyone who supports the show at patreon your continued support makes a huge difference this seriously is uh, a bit of a lifesaver these days so t- t- patreon <laughs> no t-f-t-t-f.com slash patreon that's the url t-f-t-t-f.com slash patreon you guys are awesome thanks so much i remember and now go out and take amazing photos be super hyper extra nice to each other and of course happy shooting (laughs) 